This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Monday, January 8th edition of Talkback. Talkback this morning is brought to you by Y West Storage out of the Y on Two Smokes Way. If you're looking for storage, give them a call for availability at 406-510-0590. At Y West Storage, they're making room for you. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, where they offer both residential and commercial cleaning with uh, with the fact that they're, they're they say no job is too big or small so give them a call today 406-260-6617 Gomer's US Diesel Parts also a proud sponsor of Talkback no matter how cold it's going to get and it will get cold this week trust me they have everything you need to make sure your rig starts every morning Gomer's US Diesel Parts and Service Palmer and West Broadway and also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply appointments are preferred for mastectomy fittings and custom compressions but walk-ins are welcome. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, welcome everybody to an hour of open phones on TalkBack. It is Monday, uh, January 8th. Nick Christensen over there. Good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning. And we- <laughs> <laughs> I hear, I hear the sad tinge yeah, in your yeah. voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We all know why. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, we, we entered with high hopes. Yes. And uh, I, I noted that as the game went on, as we got into the second half, um, the camera angles only featured the part of the stadium with Jackrabbit fans. Did you notice that? Yeah, well, and it didn't help, too, because, like, the the stadium was split up, obviously, two sides. It was, like, a bunch of Maroon on one side, a bunch of SDSU on the other side. But yeah. the the game camera was always facing right. the blue side. So it just looked like there was a sea of blue there and no Grizz yeah. fans unless something good happened for the Grizz. Then they'd pan to our crowd and you'd see, oh, my, oh we actually have fans there. <laughs> but they were loud, I will say. I mean, oh, yeah. I could tell when yeah. when the game was still close and we were on defense and yeah. they could get loud. They they got loud. So did SDSU. I was surprised. I mean, both uh, both crowds definitely gave it their all. So and, and I also noted the public address announcer because I would notice things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he made an effort to put forward what we do. Uh, you know, it was the first down four, and then the crowd would say Montana. So that was good. Didn't get to do that a lot, did we? No, yeah. we didn't. <laughs> I did not notice that. So there you go. I was, I was too uh, riled up during the game yeah. to even notice that that was going on. I was so. listening. <laughs> anyway, now uh, I understand the 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 uh, the team flew back last night, right? I think so. Yeah. And uh, so uh, all our best to Coach Hauk and every single member of the Grizzly football team. You guys, uh, what a fabulous uh, uh, storybook season! Uh, so many amazing games, amazing finishes, uh, nothing to hang your head about. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's, let's hit the ground running and go for next year. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah, I, I was saying it after the game and I think I said it a little bit when we were talking Friday, but just that, you know, no, no one will be able to take away the memories that were made during the playoffs, you know, being in the stands with friends and family and those two amazing overtime games. Right. I've never witnessed two games that, awesome in person coming down to it you know everybody's 
cheering and there's tears flowing. And I mean, so, so yes, we didn't win. We took second, yeah. but I'll, I'll have those memories forever. So it was a, it was a good season. You bet. Sure. You bet. And congratulations to South Dakota State. They played a magnificent game. We, yeah. we, we had them stymied a little bit there in the first half, but they found their footing and off they went. So. Yep. Hop, Could hop, catch up? Hopping all over the place. Oh, okay. So, anyway. <laughs> but that being said, we're up against yes. our first break. <sighs> Heavy sigh. Uh, give us a call. Whatever's on your mind this morning. It's open phones from now until uh, 9 o'clock. And then we have uh, one of our favorite guests, uh, Dr. Dr. Rob Nadelson. Uh, I'm sorry. Professor Rob Nadelson will be joining us from the Independence Institute. And uh, that's in Denver. And he's already sent me some advance articles to look over about President Trump and former President Trump and his uh, effort to try to run again and the efforts being put in his way. So some very scholarly articles that he wrote on that. So we'll talk with him about that. But we want to talk to you right now. But whatever might be on your mind this morning, you want to talk about the game, you want to talk about the season, you want to talk about anything that's going on uh, in your world, give us a call at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. Back with more of Talk Back right after this. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Winter storm warnings and watches posted across much of western Montana as we brace for the arrival of a significant winter storm. An increasing chance of snow along the Montana-Idaho border tonight and then snow and high winds Tuesday that could gust up to 40 miles per hour Tuesday night. More snow on Wednesday and colder with lows dropping into the teens. Half an inch to one inch accumulations in the valleys, but a foot or more in the mountain passes. So plan your travel accordingly. Okay, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number, and we would love to hear from you. Whatever might be on your mind, it's open phones for another 45 minutes. So uh, if you want to get in the queue, anything on your mind, uh, give us a call. By the way, uh, as most people that know me, okay, know I am not a big fan of snow. I, I never have been. I, I have... Uh, you know, I was born in Hawaii for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, I, I hear I'm living here in Montana and uh, my, my wife is was born here in Missoula. She loves the snow. My kids love the snow. They love to ski and all that kind of stuff. And so I uh, I got to tell you, I was, you know, looking at all that's happened over the last few weeks. No snow on the roadways. So uh, in some ways I was kind of going, yeah, but as I as as we go further on through the winter and uh, listening to the excellent reporting of Dennis Bragg and and others who have talked with the uh, the weather bureau people and not only that but uh the 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 fire prognosticators as we you know go through this winter we depend on that snow uh to not only um you know uh, uh, moisturize and, and keep everything safe however we also depend on that snow to fill up the rivers and, and the lakes. And the lakes. And the lakes. Me? After, yeah. after last year's debacle with, you yes, know, Flathead Lake, them leaving the dam open a little longer, whatever ended up right. happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, lake season was cut way short last year, which obviously cost uh, the state some money. And right. so, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I hope they're thinking, you know, about that as well, too, because if, if that water doesn't come, they better not let too much of it out. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see. And, and not only that, but the fire season <clears throat> could be brutal, and uh, we don't want that either. So, all right. We have folks on the line right now. We yeah. appreciate that. Let's get Roy on the line first. Good morning, Roy. Welcome to Talk Back. Happy Monday to you. Thank you. Glad you guys are back. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm thinking, <clears throat> excuse me. 
I would like to encourage all Montana listeners to call their state representatives in the legislature and have them vote for a convention of states. Uh, it's the only way we're going to get a balanced budget amendment. It's the only way we're going to stop the overreach of the federal government into the states. There's a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, I'd just like to encourage our listeners to, to, uh, to join the other states that have joined the convention of states. Uh, the only people that seem to be against convention of states are people that are ignorant what it's about. Uh, they're feeding off the government. That means government contractors and anybody that's feeding off the government. And the Marxists and the socialists. If the founders were alive today, they'd be voting for a convention of states. And I just encourage uh, Montanans to call the legislature and have them vote so that Montana can join the other, I believe, 19 or 20 states that have joined. And... Uh, I guess that's it. Hope everybody has a wonderful Monday. Sounds like a storm's coming in. I better get back to my little house on the mountains. Well, now, now Roy, let, let, let me ask you, what specific topic would you like that uh, uh, convention of states to uh, to uh, cover? Well, there's probably four or five. I agree with them all except one. They want to uh, want uh, public land to return to the states. I think public land ought to stay public because it's the returns of the states is a chance that it would be sold to real estate developers and all that. If it's public land, you got more heads thinking about it from all the different states before anything like that happens. Everything else, I agree with a balanced budget amendment, limiting. Uh, the authority of the federal government is interfering in states' rights. Uh, I've got a list of it. I'm a volunteer <laughs> for Convention of States, but uh, you all know right. I don't have my list with me right now. But well, they're all they all make sense. And uh, uh, Mark Levin, who I consider a modern day Patrick Henry, uh, uh, lays it out pretty good. And uh, I think you're going to have Ron Nadelson on today. Is he going to be on today? He's going to be on today from nine to ten. Yes, sir. Well, Ron, Ron will give you a, a rundown uh, you uh, of uh, all the, all the uh, amendments you want to put forth. Sir, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah, you guys, too. Thank thanks. you. Thank you, boy. Hey, let's get Len up next. Len, good morning. You're on Talkback, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning. Come on, Snow. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> hey. There's one thing really bothering me, and I've seen it on TV. I see it a half a dozen times. The United States flag being flown from an Israeli tank. I object to that. That That's baloney. And the, the Israeli flag is up there with the flag of the United States beside, between Biden. They just had Austin on there, the U.S. flag on his right, and the Israeli flag on the left. Israel is not part of the United States. No. That flag does not belong there. And I'm not against Israel altogether. I don't like what they're doing. And I've got uh, Jewish friends, but I do not like to see that flag flying there. I don't think it's right. Your objection is noted, sir. Thanks for the call. You know, appreciate it. Appreciate it, Len. Thanks for the call. We're going to take a quick break, get Christy on the line. Several other phone lines are open, by the way. It's 721 or 1-800-568-5309. We're coming right back after this quick timeout, and it's open phones all the way until 9 o'clock. In Missoula, Ham- Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? 
then we are looking for you. The big-hearted, the bold, the messy and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders. The skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities, working together, living together. Bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya. From sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo. We learn more, give more, share freely, and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff to go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. For over a century, AM radio has evolved to meet the needs of our community. More than 80 million listeners depend on AM radio each month. It's also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping us safe in dangerous times. A new bill in Congress would ensure this free, reliable service remains in cars. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress to support the AM radio for every vehicle act. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to four messages a month, and you may text stop to stop. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids are facing hunger every day? Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at HelpNoKidHungry.org. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, I'll trust water bottles and a flashlight to save the day, but I'll be proved wrong. With a tornado approaching, I'll realize that I like a wheelchair accessible shelter. When the floodwaters rise, I'll be up in the attic with 20 cans of beans. It's a recipe for disaster. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hey, you guys are hitting the dot of the park this morning. A lot of the phone lines are full right now. Let's get right back to open phones with Christy. Thanks for holding, first of all. Christy, what's on your mind? Hey, I just had a couple quick stories about things we were talking about last week. Okay. Um, One is a a ritual I do for every game. About 25 years ago, my ex-husband gave me this little stuffed Monty doll that, uh, well, he used to dance. I say he has arthritis now. But when you flip the switch on, he plays Cotton Eye Joe. So he sits with me on the coffee. <laughs> He's really great. Cool. He sits with me on the coffee table or the bar, wherever we're at. No, no. I, I have to ask a question. Have you ever had somebody take a video of you with uh, the Monty doll doing his thing? You know, I haven't. You should, you should do that. that and send, still and, dance. Yeah, you should do that and send it to us. And uh, maybe for the next oh. game, uh, we'll give it to Ace. I mean, he yep. might use it. Hey, that's great. I will do it for the first time next season. You bet. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, no problem. And anyway, and my other story was about Don Reed. Um, back in the late 80s, I was a student at the U, and I worked for the University Center Food Service. And we didn't start school back then until mid-September. We were on quarters. So when the guys came in August for football practice, they had to eat. And so we would, uh, it was cafeteria style. We would They would stand in line with a tray and We'd slop the food on the trays. And Don Reed was always there, right with the guys, standing in line, joking around, 
super nice, would always say thank you. And I just thought it was really cool that he would eat with the guys and be just like one of them. He was a true gentleman, wasn't he? He was a true gentleman and very humble and very noble. You bet. And, yes. a, and a great and, coach as well. Well, listen, thanks, thanks for that story. We appreciate it. Hey, you bet. I just, you know, kudos to Don. He was an awesome guy. And uh, go Grizz. They had a great season. We still are super proud of them. You you bet. Now, don't forget, have somebody film you with that and send it to us, okay? I will do it. Late <laughs> August next year, you got it. Sounds good. Thank, <laughs> thanks for the call. Hey. All right, uh, Jerry's up next. Jerry, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call down here. We're in uh, sunny Arizona where it's only 31 degrees this morning. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> but I, I wanted to go back to Friday, too, and one person I didn't hear mentioned was Harley Lewis. Harley Lewis was the athletic director when we first started the, the stadium project, and right. I think that's the way that I kind of got into the project because I worked for, for several years with Harley, on the timing equipment out at uh, the track and for running track. And, and there were a lot of circumstances out there where we had to make close calls uh, on who was across the finish line because it was all camera-operated, not computer-driven. Mm -hmm. So I remember Harley, and you remember when we started the stadium, there were grass uh, end way on each end of the thing, there were grass berms that people used to uh, sit on. Correct. And and then it was then it was expanded five times, four times that I worked on, uh, with about five thousand each. And the stadium now holds, I think it's about twenty six thousand plus. And the stadium yesterday that we were looking at that was full only hold twenty thousand. So that's a good comparison with our venue and uh, what the Grizzlies went through, and I'm still kind of uh, down in the dumps about that whole issue, but so is a lot of people. So I just wanted to mention Harley because he was really active as an athletic director. Uh, he ran track for the university and wow. was involved in all kinds of Missoula issues. So thanks. thank you for the call. You bet, and thanks for bringing that up. We appreciate your You're your a voice of history for us. We appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you. All right, uh, Elena is waiting. Now, by the way, the phone lines are open again, 721-1290. If you want to get through for open phones, whatever might be on your mind. Elena, go ahead. It's all yours. Happy New Year. Same to you, ma'am. Thank you. I think it was Roy that called earlier. About the he convention of states, of yes. Four spots. Right, go ahead. And that's the con-con. Um, and I'll call it a con-con because that's what it is, convention of states. Um, I'm sorry if you hear a beep. <laughs> um, one of the big things that they're saying is it will um, limit government spending, uh, balance the budget. Well, section Article 1, Section 8 already limits the government. They don't follow that. Um, they don't follow anything in the Constitution. So why do these people think that by having a constitutional convention, because that's what it is, uh, they're going to follow a new amendment to the Constitution. It's not going to happen. And uh, Rob Nadelson, we go back years on this, and he always laughs when I call because he knows what I'm going to talk about and if I'm pro or against. And I think he's sort of like changing his mind because keep in mind also uh, – we don't trust 
our government right now. We don't trust our so-called public servants, state or congressional. So why should we trust them doing a constitutional convention? All right. Thank you. Have Elena, a great day. Elena, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right. We have, uh, tell you what, let's, let's take our break right now. I want to give Scott plenty of time to make his point and not cut him off. Uh, we're uh, like 30 seconds away from a break, so we'll just do that right now. 721-1290 is our number. Whatever might be on your mind, we still have another half hour of open phones. So if you've got something you want to talk about, you want people to know about, give us a call at 721-1290. We're coming back right after this. Bad decisions. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Winter storm warnings and watches posted across much of western Montana as we brace for the arrival of a significant winter storm. An increasing chance of snow along the Montana-Idaho border tonight and then snow and high winds Tuesday that could gust up to 40 miles per hour Tuesday night. More snow on Wednesday and colder with lows dropping into the teens. Half an inch to one inch accumulations in the valleys, but a foot or more in the mountain passes. So plan your travel accordingly. We are back on Talkback, 721-1290. That's our number. It's open phones for another 26 minutes or so. Let's get Scott on the line. Scott, good morning, and uh, welcome to Talkback, sir. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good to talk with you, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, I, I uh, had the game on the radio last night and hopped in the truck to go to work this morning and had you on the radio and heard a story about Don Reed. I said, I better give a call and, and see if I can't get in and, and share a story. Please do. Yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, uh, Don and his staff recruited me out of Oregon. Um, and I had a couple options, and my recruiting trip was was. Basically, uh, was the uh, turning point in, in really my career. I think uh, just his uh, his care for for me and, and my family, and I knew that was going to be a, a good place to to uh, get an education. And, and it turned out to be a, a lot more than that. And uh, the story that that I remembered yesterday is, is, you know, when we were practicing on the River Bowl, uh, Coach Reed would get a you know, a yard of, of uh, topsoil every year delivered to the to the <laughs> River Bowl, and he would spend most of practice with a shovel filling in holes in the River Bowl so that uh, kids wouldn't get uh, their ankles turned. Wow! Um, and it just it speaks to his uh, servant leadership. Um, you know, he he didn't demand that some GA or or some groundskeeper or hack or stack come out there. He just he just rolled up his sleeves and. And did that, and uh, you know, one one of the things that uh, in my coaching career and leadership, you know, empowering others to do great things, he he, he was that uh, for his coaching staff. I really believe that you know he he gave them the autonomy and the power to to uh, coach uh, the kids the way that they thought was the best way, and he kind of got out of the way. He was he knew everything that was going on, uh, but also allowed allowed his coaches to do their thing. I. I uh, uh, I've had a lot of good coaches in my uh, career, uh, and uh, Don is the uh, coach. Reed is, is the most uh, influential, impactful coach that I ever had in the 20 plus years of, of playing the game. Um, and I, I, uh, I, I love him dearly. I love his his family, uh, Lois and Bruce, and 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 the whole crew. Mean uh, uh, you know, a whole lot to me, and and prayers to to that family, and, and uh, I know that uh, the game didn't turn out the way us Chris fans wanted it to yesterday, but looking back at that game, the margin of error 
between excellence and really, really good is so uh, – so, I mean, there was two or three opportunities in that game where had, had things happened uh, slightly different, um, there's, there's a, a good possibility of, of Grizz coming out with a win. And so the final score isn't indicated yeah. of, of how close I think that game was. Um, and, and I'm really proud of, of what they did uh, throughout the year. And so follow them uh, pretty closely this year and, and watch the game in person, uh, the semifinal game in person against South Dakota State and, or North Dakota State. And, and uh, just uh, really proud of, of Coach Houck and, and uh, what they've put together today and, and how they've developed that, that program. It, it's, I think it's overlooked now is just trying to find the best kids to, to put on the field and, and uh, the idea of a developing a program and growing over a season uh, it, it, you know at the FBS level it's not really allowed. You either go undefeated and, and go to a, a minor bowl game or don't go undefeated and go to a minor bowl game or you go undefeated and, and try to slug it out for one or two games and uh, you know what what Bobby was able to uh, to accomplish with this group and how they developed over the, uh, is is phenomenal and uh, really special uh, season. So congratulations to them. And not only that, how they how they coalesced during that playoff run. Uh, I, you, you, you could see them. They were already a tight-knit group, but they, they became, you know, they, they were a family, they were brothers. I mean, it, it was it was absolutely, you know, uh, beautiful to watch. Yeah, it, it really was. Really was, Peter. Thanks so much for letting me share this morning. I uh, uh, don't get a chance to listen to you guys very often, and it was just kind of fortuitous that, that I heard you on the radio on my way into work. Well, Scott Gregg, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And by the way, your daughter's doing a wonderful job at our church, so thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that she is. I, uh, she, her, and, and now Brian is going to school at the university, so we've got wonderful. both our kids in, in Missoula, uh, and uh, so it gives us an excuse to get over there once in a while. Excellent. Scott, always a pleasure, sir. God bless, and uh, to you and your family, uh, have a wonderful new year. You as well, Peter. Thank you, sir. All right. That's Scott Gregg, ladies and gentlemen. In case you don't know, look him up. <laughs> He's a, a University of Montana, one of the uh, one of the best ever play the game, went to the pros, is now coaching. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Keith is up next. Keith, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> Happy New Year. I was seeing if you could maybe elaborate a little bit. You mentioned earlier about coming from Hawaii. I spent my whole life going there, and I lived in Kailua for six years. So I was just seeing if you could elaborate, you know, what, when was it that you were there? <laughs> I met, I've met you but. I've met you before, and you're a Howley boy, so... Well, I will... Uh, yes, it's exactly right. I, I will tell you, I was born uh, in uh, a Tripler Army Hospital in Honolulu, and uh, I spent 18 uh, tumultuous months there. Uh, Monolo erupted twice when I <laughs> the year I was born, and so my, my parents uh, got the heck out of there. They were both in the Marine Corps, and so they, they got uh, stationed back uh, back in the States, and so the, the, the only other time I've been in Hawaii was when I made my 50th birthday and my kids, uh, paid for a, a trip for me to go back to my homeland and see all that, uh, that was there when I was born. Even took me to Tripler Army Hospital so I could visit the place of my birth. Wow. I was back there uh, about the same time you were born. 
and and old enough, you know, five or six. So uh, I can only imagine the difference in what it looked like around it, especially, you know. There used to be nothing around the hospital area. Right, right. Okay, sir. Well, I was just wondering about that. It was very nice to hear from you. Yeah, Have a good day. You bet. And there was one well, one uh, part I remember about my trip to the, the hospital was at the gate. Uh, they wouldn't let me in because I wasn't military. But I said, hey, I was born here 50 years ago. Do you mind if I just go look around? They said, great. But watch out for the wild boars. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, there were wild boars that were roaming around the area. Kind of natural <laughs> defense mechanisms, I guess. <laughs> anyway, we're going <laughs> to... Whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and right back to Jeff on the line. It's open phones for the next 20 minutes. What's on your mind this morning? 721-1290 is our number. one 800 We're coming right back. Mark your calendars. Hey, welcome back. You guys are doing great on open phones this morning. Uh, Phone lines. uh, We have two people waiting on the line. Several other phone lines open at 721-1290. Jeff has been waiting the longest. Jeff, thanks for holding. You're on Talkback, sir. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Peter. Um, Real quick, on the convention of states... uh, Elena, I think it was Elena, called in and said that, uh, yeah, she's opposed because what good is it going to do? Uh, that kind of defeatist attitude is is what uh, destroys the ability of the states to come together and actually do this. And it is a convention of states. It's not the federal government coming together. Congress has some administrative functions around it, but Congress doesn't dictate the terms the states do. And they would, the uh, Convention of States has three areas they want to focus on. The first is the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. They want to limit that. They want to limit, uh, put fiscal restraints on the ability of the federal government to spend. And they want to introduce term limits at the federal level. And, th- and within those three areas, people can uh, propose amendments, but it is limited to those. And as to Opponents, um, uh, one of the foremost, there's several in our state legislature, one of the foremost in our area is Teresa Manzella. And she and some fellow uh, members of the John Birch Society have said that the the Constitution is a perfect document the way it's written, and we don't need to amend it. But the Constitution itself provides for a convention of states, the Fifth Amendment. Uh, uh, Article 5, rather, I'm sorry. And so how can a perfect document be flawed by having in it a provision that allows you to uh, call a convention of states? That would make it an imperfect document, uh, which means that you need to actually amend it so that it becomes a perfect document. You know, it's, it's the arguments against are nonsensical. When I was really young, I kind of put some credence into the concept of a runaway convention. But as I've read and become educated, I don't rely on the propaganda of, of folks like the John Birch Society. Uh, that's when you understand that not only is it necessary, not only is it a good way, right now it's the only way. We've tried for decades to do it through representation, and that has not worked. We have to find another way. And if you don't support a convention of states, you're sticking your head in the sand going, I hope it gets better. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. I want to leave things better for my descendants, not worse. I was just looking at this. It says uh, here more than 11,000 amendments to the Constitution have been proposed. Only 27 have been ratified by the states. The first 10, of course, known as the Bill of Rights, are ratified back in 1791. So a lot of of amendments proposed, but only 27 have been ratified by the several states. Right. And let's get a worst-case scenario here. Let's say that contrary to what Rob Adelson and all the other constitutional scholars have told us, the people who actually know the Constitution and not propagandists, Let's say we do have a runaway convention and all sorts of idiotic amendments are proposed. The states still have ultimate ratification authority, and they need 75% of the states to agree. So you're not, even if you had a runaway convention, you would still have protection against uh, uh, bad amendments getting adopted. So the whole whole, uh, opposition is based on a series of flawed and false premises. And I just, it it frustrates me to no end that we have uh, representatives who are supposed to represent us and supposed to know about the Constitution, and they fall for, uh, it's either they fall for propaganda or uh, they actually do believe it. They're either ignorant or it's malevolent, and either one is dangerous to us. And uh, I I just, it, it frustrates me to no end because... We, you know, we many of us feel that we have to do something, and in my mind, this is the best something to do. And Mark Levin, Rob Nadelson, like I said, a whole host of constitutional scholars. I would defy the opposition to a convention of states to find one constitutional scholar who actually opposes it, because once you become knowledgeable, you can't. Jeff, thanks for the call, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Let's get Skip on the line now. Skip, good morning. Thanks for holding. You're on TalkBack. By the way, all the other phone lines are open now. If you have something you want to say, you've got about, oh, 12 minutes or so to give us a call at 721-1290. Skip, go ahead. What's on your mind, sir? Hi. Thank you, Peter. And I'm sorry about your team losing this this, <laughs> uh, this weekend. If nothing else, they made it to the, to the championship again. And uh, meanwhile, uh, I'm glad I could hear Jeff speak then. I, I think he is for a convention of states. Uh, I, I'm wanted to weed through that. However, uh, when Rob comes on, I have to, I'll be taking all of my blood tests at my oncologist this morning. I can't even call and ask him a question, Bummer. but I wanted, I wanted to see if, if, uh, someone, it, maybe Jeff could even ask him, um, the state, for instance, that Rob lives in, Colorado, has just dealt with the lawsuit to the state and then the Supreme Court uh, having to do with putting John, uh, having to do with putting Trump on the ballot or not. Uh, now, I happen to know that the state of Montana is going to get sued for that, and uh, it might even come in this week. They were, they had it was there was an attempt, but it, it had to be reconstructed, and and uh, I think that lawsuit will probably come in uh, this week or maybe early next, uh, where we'll be facing the same thing, which the taxpayers have to have to pay for that when somebody sues the Secretary of State's office over that issue, 
And if, if Rob knows how they handle that, I'd appreciate, uh, you know, maybe I'll be out of the doctor by then, but I doubt it. Well, I will tell, you, I, I will tell you this, Skip, just real quick. I will tell you this, that uh, Rob has sent me a couple of articles uh, talking about what he wants to address, and that's exactly the the, the points he wants to talk about today. So, uh, I, if, if, even if you can't listen in, it will be on our podcast. You can listen to it later. Thank you. And by the way, when it comes to that convention of states, I do believe, and Rob would know better than probably anybody, if you had gone to any of his of his uh, interactive lecture halls when he was on tour. Uh, there, there are some there are some actual laws in place that that don't let that convention get off track, and I mean I'd love to believe that that's the way it would be, uh, and and to address the points that Jeff in fact brought up, and so uh, if he could just readdress that and and do like a cliff notes on what happens at a convention of states as far as having to stay on track. That would be so wonderful. And, and thank you, sir, for taking the call. And I, I just wanted to point that out. I appreciate Jeff's uh, uh, both sides of the coin there because we definitely have a problem, I think, with uh, what I call fracturing from especially the John Birch Society. I'll leave it there and people can noodle that. Thank right. you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. We'll definitely pass that message along to Rob Nadelson, who will be our guest, by the way, in the 9 o'clock hour from the Independence Institute in Denver. So you have a, qu- a question. Uh, by the way, open phones will continue. We're going to take a, a break here. Uh, open phones uh, still for another eight minutes. So if there's something on your mind you want to talk about, then uh, others to talk about and hear what you have to say, uh, give us a call. 721-1290. Back after this. Works better when the microphone is in the on position. (laughs) (laughs) Announcing 101. Anyway, welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, We have exactly four minutes left. In our to- open phones time, we've had a lot of lot of interesting calls so far this morning. Uh, yeah, seven two one twelve ninety. That's the number if you have, want to jump in there with uh, something that might be on your mind that is not necessarily germane. I used a big word uh, to uh, our conversation coming up. <laughs> I don't mean German either. Uh, coming up with Rob Nadelson. He's going to be with us from 9 until 10 this morning. And, of course, he's with the Independence Institute. And he did send me a couple of articles uh, uh, about what he's been working on, specifically about uh, former President Trump and the efforts to try to keep him off the uh, the presidential ballot. That have been made by Colorado, and I think Maine is another one that uh, has uh, has tried, and uh, so we'll see what happens uh, because they're claiming that he is an insurrectionist, and uh, although he's never been charged or convicted of being an insurrectionist, so that doesn't seem to matter. Anyway, we're going to talk with Rom about that. Uh, anyway, seven two one twelve ninety is our number. What is on your mind this morning? Now, uh, uh, of course, we just had a huge football game yesterday that uh, was uh, very disappointing to, for for Grizz fans. But again, we just want to say thank you to Coach Hauk, all the coaches, all the the young men, uh, all the support staff, everybody who contributed to a magical twelve and one. So I, I make that a twelve and two season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, twelve and two season, uh, with only one loss during the regular season, and then after that loss, the Grizzlies bounced back big time and went undefeated throughout the end of the season. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, a lot, lot of, lot of very, very good things happened during that season, and so uh, we are hoping, we're all hoping, 
that uh, as as the year goes uh, goes forward and uh, all, all the recruiting that is going on, uh, I, I remember my wife and I were talking about this um, during the game. And the fact that whenever uh, the University of Montana would be would be promoted, they'd have one of those magnificent panoramic views of of uh, the mountains and the river road running through it, and uh, and the campus itself. That has got to be an amazing recruiting tool, I, I would think, especially with a nationwide, sometimes a worldwide audience. Yeah, but I mean, yes, you're right. But I was super disappointed with the. The pregame, because there was no pregame on ABC. I mean, they they had a pregame show, but all they talked about um, yesterday morning before the game started was the national championship game. They hardly didn't even talk about ours. And then you get to halftime of our game, they don't even talk about our game. They're talking about previewing the national championship game, the big game tonight. Right. Um, And so I kind of I kind of made that gripe when we were um, talking talking Friday with the guys, but. You know, I I really wish the game would have been on Saturday, uh, not competing with NFL Sunday because you know I just I just don't know how many eyes really were on our game yesterday. Um, obviously, you know, any is great, but I just I just feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. And I know sometimes they have the game on Fridays as well, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just it just seemed like it was an afterthought to people that weren't Grizz fans and weren't uh, SDSU fans on Sunday. And, and yeah, it was, it, I don't know. It was just, I was, I was looking forward to kind of getting a lot of, you know, uh, Missoula attention, at least in the pregame show. And yeah, they didn't really cover anything. So, well, anyway, I, I'm just looking here at the FCS championship. Uh, it's usually been played at 11 a.m. Uh, Central time on Saturdays, but last year and this year it was at 1 p.m. Uh, on ABC due to ABC having an open open window. Last year's game drew 1.07 million viewers, down from 1.32 million the year prior when it was Saturday on ESPN2. So yeah. uh, they don't have the uh, ex- exact number of viewers for... Um, for the game from yesterday, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. I just Googled it. So if Google doesn't know, <laughs> then nobody knows. Well, anyway. last year was a big game because it was, you know, North Dakota State versus South Dakota State, right. and the juggernaut that is NDSU. But, right. but yeah, anyway. Anyway, we're, we're out of time. Uh, at the top of the hour, it'll be Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute. We will talk to you then. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the Monday edition of uh, Talk Back, hour number two underway right now, brought to you this morning by Harrington Surgical Supply. Their mission remains the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. Also brought to you by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it's going to get, they have everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time. Located at Palmer and West Broadway, that's Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. Why West Storage? Out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. Uh, everybody needs storage. You want to find out uh, pricing and availability? Here is the number because they're making room for you. 406-510-0590. And also by Phillips Janitorial for residential and commercial cleaning with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. No job too big or small. 406 260 the views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back. It's good to have you along on TalkBack. Nick Christensen right over there with his fingers poised 
over the phone bank. I'm waiting to take your phone calls at 721-1290. Joining us on the phone right now is Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute. Rob, it's uh, good to have you, sir. How are you? I'm great and very much looking forward to coming to Montana on Wednesday morning if uh, if the weather holds. Big if, however. Yeah, it's going to get cold. Not a whole lot of snow, but it is going to be cold uh, for the remainder of the week. So, Yeah, I've got to drive through Wyoming and into Billings, and we'll see if they... See what it's like in the eastern part of the state. You then it. proceeding on to Helena and Bozeman. Excellent. All right. Well, it's good to have you on uh, on the radio right now. I know there are some things you want to, but there are already a couple of folks waiting to visit with you on the phone. But I know you like to set the table first with some, some things that you have been working on. And uh, thank you for letting us know ahead of time. Well, I don't want to keep those folks holding, so I'll make this very, very brief. Um, the Epic Times published the first in a multi-part uh, series uh, based upon our research into the war powers that states have, and in particular, the ability of states to respond to illegal immigration. As you know, there was a Montana Supreme Court opinion that struck down a voter initiative that attempted to deal with the immigration issue. There are uh, state officials in places like Arizona and Texas are trying to deal with the flood of illegal illegal immigration with the one hand while dealing with lawsuits from the Biden administration on the other hand. And so this series of articles in the Epic Times is basically designed to lay out what the Constitution allows uh, states to do with respect to illegal immigration. And then in addition to that, uh, if you go to the Independence Institute website, you'll see an article dealing with the actually two articles dealing with these disqualification suits to, uh, aimed at former President Trump, uh, claiming that as an insurrectionist, he's disqualified from the ballot. And so there'll be some discussion of that issue at independenceinstitute.org. And that's all I have. All right. So let's uh, jump right in and say good morning to Candy. Candy, good morning. You're on with Rob Nadelson. Go ahead, please. Yes. Hello, Rob. And I'm kind of anticipating your uh, answer to this question. Who has the constitutional and military authority? Candy, to Candy, you're breaking up. Yeah, you're breaking up, Candy. Um, yeah, you're breaking up. I can't. I can't understand. Okay, who who has the constitutional and legal authority to do what, Candy? Proclaim. An insurrection. Okay, to proclaim an insurrection. All right. Who has that authority? Who has that authority? Uh, all right. Well, thanks for the call, Candy. Go ahead, Rob. I know you you've just kind of well, touched on that briefly. The question is, yeah, the question is for what purpose? I mean, uh, state governors, state legislatures have the authority under the Constitution to say that they their state is subject to invasion or insurrection, and to demand that the federal government help them. Uh, under a series of five sections of federal law collectively called the Insurrection Act, uh, the president has the authority to declare that there's an ongoing insurrection and he has certain powers uh, once he makes that proclamation. The courts also would have the authority to declare that someone is guilty of the crime of insurrection and therefore if that person is convicted after a due trial, then as an insurrectionary, the per person would be barred from serving in most elective offices. So it really depends on the purpose 
for which the for which insurrection is being called. One entity that I will tell you that I do not think has power to declare something an insurrection or to label somebody an insurrectionary was the uh, January 6th Committee of the House of Representatives, which basically conducted a show trial of former President Trump. The one difficulty, however, that Trump faces is that in Colorado, for example, the Supreme Court used the findings of the January 6th committee to declare that Trump was an insurrectionary. I don't think that's proper procedure, and I would be surprised if it survives the U.S. Supreme Court. But it has to get all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court first, right? I, or, or is it already actively been uh, been sent to the Supreme Court? It's It's there. It's there now. It's there now. Uh, so, uh, uh, do you, is there, uh, obviously there's, there's obviously got to be a due date as to when they, they, uh, release which cases they're going to hear. Um, well, they, as, my recollection is that they have granted review in the Colorado case. What their schedule is, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. There is a blog that people can, can consult. It's called SCOTUS blog. S-C-O-T-U-S, SCOTUS stands for Supreme Court of the United States. SCOTUS blog tracks all of the um, U.S. Supreme Court cases. And if the calendar for the hearing is has been established, they'll, they'll tell you. Sounds good. All right. With that, we're going we're, we're gonna to take a quick commercial break. Nancy is waiting to visit with you. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to Nancy's call. And uh, Nick's on the phone with somebody else as well. Rob Nadelson joining us this morning from the Independence Institute in Denver. And uh, we're talking about all things Constitution. So give us a call at 721-1290. We'll be right back after this. You want the best. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Winter storm warnings and watches posted across much of western Montana as we brace for the Arrival of a significant winter storm. An increasing chance of snow along the Montana-Idaho border tonight. And then snow and high winds Tuesday that could gust up to 40 miles per hour Tuesday night. More snow on Wednesday and colder with lows dropping into the teens. Half an inch to one inch accumulations in the valleys, but a foot or more in the mountain passes. So plan your travel accordingly. Hey, we're back on Talkback. Rob Dadelson joining us from the Independence Institute. We have Nancy, Tyler, Harry, and Catherine all waiting to visit with you, uh, Rob. But you you uh, were able to find out more about the uh, U.S. Supreme Court and what they plan to do with the, the, the Trump issue. Yes, the Colorado Supreme Court case disqualifying former President Trump from the ballot was, in fact, taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court. They agreed to hear it. Uh, that was just Friday, this past Friday. And they've scheduled oral argument for Thursday, February 8th. Now, the reason that's so important is that Super Tuesday is on March 5th. And um, so it's, it's important that people know whether or not uh, Trump is going to be on the ballot. I, my understanding is that the Colorado Supreme Court opinion and also the opinion of the chief election officer in Maine came too late actually to remove him from the ballot. But uh, for purposes going forward, we need, a, we need a Supreme Court decision on this issue. All right, let's uh, let's move along. Let's get Nancy on the line. She's been waiting the longest. Nancy, good morning. You're on with Rob Nadelson. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning and happiness to everybody in 2024. Okay, Rob, I want to go back in time. I want to go back to uh, the 2020 election, which I am convinced was stolen. And uh, clearly our... Um, Constitution was violated. It was violated 
created by five states that changed their voting laws without having a state assembly, which is a violation of the Constitution. And then I believe the system, which is a deep state, manufactured uh, a riot out of a, um, excuse me, protest at the Capitol on January 6th to crush the powerful America First movement and to frame President Trump. (laughs) And we're still trying to see this preventing him today from running again. And I just want to say that um, let's go. The same group of people stopped uh, President Nixon, and uh, they had um, JFK assassinated. They attempted to assassinate Ronald Reagan, and uh, they're trying to do the same with uh, President, uh, former President Donald Trump. And uh, they, because they all had the same thing in mind to stop the bureaucrats and try to get and get rid of this deep state. So I, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that uh, the Colorado and uh, Maine, the Supreme Court rule against them, and uh, that's what I'd like to hear what you have to say here. All right, thanks for the call. All right, kind of everything from soup to nuts there, Rob. Go ahead. Well, I'm not going to comment on all of that. I, I, I do think the odds are that the U.S. Supreme Court will reverse the Colorado Supreme Court. I think there, well, there are two possible bases, at least, for doing so. I think the more likely one is a violation of due process. At In the uh, January 6th hearing, uh, as in the two impeachment trials, there were violations of very fundamental due process rights of, to the former president. Uh, in the case of the January 6th hearings, he was uh, really not permitted to have counsel there uh, all of the people on the committee had previously voted for his uh, conviction on impeachment of the same charges. Um, evidence was clearly tampered, manipulated in order to communicate the message that there was an insurrection and that President Trump was at the bottom of it. Um, the problem with with the Colorado Supreme Court opinion and, frankly, the Colorado trial court opinion is that they both reached the conclusion that president that there was an insurrection and that President Trump was at, at the bottom of it, uh, largely based upon stuff that came out of the January 6th committee. Well, I don't think the materi- material that came out of the January 6th committee belongs in any court hearing. First is hearsay, okay? Um, there is an exception to the hearsay rule that would admit official reports sometime, but th- but this was re- really a show trial. It was not an official report. So I think the most likely re- resolution by the U.S. Supreme Court would be to say this is not adequate due process. He's never been charged with insurrection, much less convicted of insurrection. And, and, if, and if a civil court proceeding wishes to reach a conclusion on this issue, they've got to they've got to do better than the Colorado courts did. Um, so there is another ground, and it's a little bit more technical, but it's also a very interesting one. Um, the question arises as to whether the president is among those officers who can be disqualified under the 14th Amendment because of insurrectionary activities. The, um, there's been a dispute on this issue going back over a decade. A uh, 
very careful, diligent legal scholar named Seth Barrett Tillman, who I think because of his libertarian views has never gotten a law professorship in the United States and therefore works in Ireland, uh, has been all over the founding era record and concluded that when the a Constitution uses the term office under the United States, as the 14th Amendment does, it does not refer to elected offices like the president. And uh, actually, the trial court in Colorado bought that argument. They held that Trump was guilty of an insurrection, but the trial court still uh, ruled in favor of President Trump because uh, the judge said that he that, that the presidency was not covered by the 14th Amendment. So another possible holding of the U.S. Supreme Court would be to say, we're not even going to get to the question of whether there was an insurrection or whether President Trump committed the insurrection or whether there was due process, simply because the president is not an officer under the United States subject to disqualification under the 14th Amendment. So that's another possible uh, route for them to go. Okay, with that, we're up against another break, so we still have Tyler, Harry, Catherine, Roy, and Cody, who all want to get together with you, Rob. So uh, we're going to come right back with more of Talk Back right after this. Like most back. Okay, we're back on Talk Back. 721-1290 is our number. Rob Nadelson joining us on the phone right now and from the Independence Institute. And Tyler has been waiting the longest. Tyler, good morning. What's on your mind, sir? Hi, Rob. Hi, Tyler. I wanted to uh, ask you, do you know Mark Levin? Um, he he has uh, cited you in his latest book, uh, The Democrat Party Hates America. And he has read the chapter that he cited you in uh, no less than four times on the air during his uh, afternoon uh, radio program. Wow, that's cool. It always tickles me. Yeah, it always tickles me when I hear him uh, read that. Um, chapter because he quotes you and talks about you and and have you read the book? Um, I haven't because uh, I basically get to listen to it every night on the radio because <laughs> he reads from it quite a lot. But uh, it, it it is uh, <clears throat> you, you cite yourself um, being cited by the Supreme Court um, and you're proud of your work and we I'm proud of your work. Uh, but to have uh, Mark. Um, read that chapter and hear your name come over the radio out of his lips is um, pretty impressive. Tyler, thanks for the call. Go ahead. Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't know Tyler that he was citing me recently. It obviously shows that he's a man of outstanding judgment. <laughs> uh, uh, to answer your initial question, no, I don't know Mark Levin. I think I met him once at a conference, maybe ten years ago, and. Um, I was, and shortly after I came, when I did my Article 5 work, which he cited in his book, The Liberty Amendments, he had me on a show probably for 20 minutes or something. But that's it. The only contact there's been is every once in a while, someone like Tyler will, on a radio show or personally, tell me, you know, Rob, Mark Levin was citing you again. I said, well, that's nice. <laughs> but but no, I don't know him. All right, let's uh, move along. Let's get Harry on the line. Been waiting the longest. Harry, thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Rob. Uh, the, just good morning, Harry. Comments. Yeah, just a couple of comments on the, the election thing. Uh, first of all, yeah, I, I agree. It's probably, well, personally, I think it's uh, much to do about very little, but uh, the Supreme Court most likely will overturn it. But uh, the idea there's there is a couple of argument or uh, argumentable 
on the verbiage of the 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 uh, Constitution itself, it says engages. It doesn't say convicted of. And also, there's a thing about giving support and comfort, or support or aid and comfort uh, to them. But uh, those are I can see where it could be arguable. But also, I think they uh, was it New Hampshire or one of those uh, states over there. Uh, has removed uh, Biden from their thing, I believe. That's what I heard. I may be wrong, but uh, just. Uh, but I do have a question on something completely different. Uh, when uh, states can t- uh, withdraw people's rights, I mean, like say a felony, someone who's convicted of felony can be uh, can't vote or can't own guns. But I'm wondering where in the Constitution does it draw the lines? Because could the state say, well, you get two misdemeanors, we will do, the, you know, take some rights away from you, or, you know, where, I mean, is there something that draws a line, or is that just something that is just sort of agreed with, that, you know, that the states can take away rights to, to individuals? Okay, thanks for the call, Harry. Yeah, you know, as usual, Harry has a good call. Um, basically, Harry, the, what a state can do uh, to you is governed largely by the due process clause of the 14th amendment that requires the state to give you due process before um, before it takes away life liberty or property due process traditionally simply meant that the state has to follow the established procedures so if there's a provision for trial by jury then the state has to give you trial by jury the u.s supreme court has interpreted in a broader way um, and part of the broader way is to say that for felony convictions, for example, you must have a jury trial. Uh, it must be unanimous. The verdict must be unanimous. You must have the right to um, to counsel. If counsel is not affordable, then you have to be given counsel free. A whole, there are a whole list of these criteria that the U.S. Supreme Court has written into the um, into the um, uh, due process clause. Now, you referred earlier, and, and, and I can understand where a listener might not have understood where you were taking this. You referred earlier to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and that is the section under which authorities in Colorado and Maine have removed President Trump from the ballot. And I'm going to read part of this section, okay, so that people can hear it. It says, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military under the United States or under the United, under any state. Okay. So it's any person who, no person shall be a senator, representative, elect, presidential elector, um, or hold an office under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath, and it goes on to say an oath of fidelity to the Constitution, then engage who, who shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion uh, against the United States or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Now, this was targeted at the former Confederates who served, say, in the U.S. Senate, served in the U.S. Congress, took an oath of, of fealty, of loyalty to the United States, and then broke into rebellion. And so this has the effect of, of ex- was designed to exclude them. Uh, and then the last sentence of this is Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So the question arises, what 
what's really necessary for it to be determined that someone is guilt, guilty of insurrection? Well, I think the answer to that comes from the same amendment, the 14th Amendment, which guarantees uh, life, liberty, and property uh, th that they cannot be taken without due process of law. So the same amendment which allows uh, rights to be suspended in case of insurrection requires due process. And I think the most likely ground on which the U.S. Supreme Court uh, may reverse the Colorado Supreme Court is that there simply was not adequate due process given to the former president in this case. Okay, with that, we're up against a break. 721-1290 is our number. Still have lots of folks waiting to visit with Rob Nadelson. Uh, Catherine, Roy, Candy, and Jeff, we're going to come right back after this. Okay, welcome back to Talk Back. Rob Nadelson, our guest from the Independence Institute. And I know, Rob, real quickly, you wanted to address, uh, before we get to our next caller, the uh, the incidents that occurred uh, in a Senate hearing uh, with uh, the various uh, major universities that have uh, come out with anti-Semitic uh, uh, policies. And I know you wanted to, uh, to address that. Well, um, the... <laughs> The, trigger, the, the triggering event here was the uh, widespread support for Hamas and for extermination of the Jews in the wake of uh, the October 7 uh, atrocities. The, that is to say, the support on university campuses. And then you had the very lukewarm testimony by the presidents of three leading universities uh, who shuffled around as to whether calling for genocide would violate university policies. Uh, you, you know, of course, that if someone had called for genocide of all gays, that person would have been out in no time. Uh, but, when it, but when the tar target of the genocide was Jews, uh, then, uh, then, then they equivocated. Uh, and now we've seen the Claudine Gay scandal. Claudine Gay is the pre was the president of Harvard and one of the three who were guilty of that equ equivocation. It turns out she was made president of Harvard uh, despite a very light scholarly record and one that was based in significant part on plagiarism. Um, so uh, this illustrates the, the kind of double standard. I mean... Those who have been around for a long time may recall that um, despite the fact that I had, I had um, published extensively in constitutional law, there was an effort to deny me the right to teach constitutional law at the University of Montana, apparently because I was a conservative. But it also goes, you know, it also goes in the opposite direction. You get people like Claudine Gay who check the appropriate boxes and she gets to be elevated to the very top of the academic profession despite uh, lack of um, lack of credentials. Many, many other examples pop to mind. Elizabeth Warren, who lied year after year after year about being an American Indian, uh, had a mediocre scholar, scholarly record, and yet she wound up, wound up at Harvard Law School, which gave her a platform uh, to the U.S. Senate. Ward Churchill, um, who also pretended to be an Indian, became a uh, tenured professor at the University of Colorado. And eventually, too late, uh, it was discovered that he also had engaged in widespread uh, cheating and, and, and plagiarism. So y you see what's going on in the universities. You see, uh, you see real scholars being suppressed or driven out. I mentioned, well, beside myself, I mentioned Teth Barrett Tillman uh, earlier in this, in this broadcast. And you see these 
these phony people being elevated to the very top of the profession. And that tells you a lot about the quality of the work that's coming out of the universities right now, unfortunately. All right, let's get back to our callers, and we appreciate their patience. Catherine, good morning. You're on with Rob Nadelson. Go ahead, please. Yeah, good morning. Um, there was an interesting article the other day in the New York Post uh, by Jonathan Turley. And um, in addition to attempts to bar Trump from the ballot, there's a, a new filing in Pennsylvania um, by John, uh, what's his name, Gene uh, Stilp. Um, he seeks to bar Rep- uh, Representative Scott Perry from the ballot um, because he, uh, Scott Perry, supports Trump. And uh, there are also other um, attempts on a state on state levels to bar people from ballots who are supporters of Trump. And I, I'm I'm kind of wondering how how on earth is it that uh, when somebody has not been charged with a crime that they are being um, uh, attempted to to disqualify them because nobody's been charged with insurrection. Trump has certainly not been charged with insurrection. So could you um, talk about that a little bit, please? All right. Thanks for the call, Catherine. Sure. For, first, Catherine, let me give you another example. John Eastman. John Eastman uh, was a nationally known constitutional scholar. He was the dean of the Chapman Law School in California. But he advised President Trump during the uh, days in which the 2020 election was being contested. And so he's now the subject of disbarment procedures in in California. Um, What is going on is that we've got a very significant number of people in the United States, unfortunately, who reject traditional American ideals of law, of the rule of law, fair play, freedom. Uh, it's really a totalitarian movement. It's, it's quite scary. I mean, I, I can see, for example, why, in the, why, why Germans in the 1920s and early 1930s might have looked around and saying, what is happening to this country? You know, Germany had been a, a civilized country, um, uh, <laughs> one of the most in the world, and, and suddenly they see this rise of this horrible totalitarianism in their midst. It's scary. And uh, every American who loves freedom, Western civilization, the American way of life has to be focused on dealing with this virus before it fatally infects our country. All right, let's get another call in before we have to take a break. I believe Roy is next. Roy, good morning. You're on Talkback with Rob. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Peter and Rob. Uh, Rob, glad you're back. I hear the voice of reason. Uh, I would like to see the Road to Thirst and the great book by Frederick Hayek become required reading in all high schools and especially colleges. Uh, my opinion, we've been on the road to serfdom for quite a while. Uh, Elena brought up a good point about the federal government, and that's what I was talking about. I believe we've got a pretty good state government here in Montana. That if we, may, if we amend the Constitution through a convention of states, then they won't obey it anyways. I thought of that quite a bit myself before I decided to volunteer for convention of states. And... The only alternative I see, the only peaceful resolution of this problem, of the overreach of the federal government, of getting a balanced budget, uh, term limits for all politicians, 
is Convention of States. It's the only peaceful alternative. Also, I'd like you to comment. I don't have my book with me now. I just remember a few offhand. But the amendments that the Convention of States are proposing uh, for the Constitution. And uh, I'll just leave it at that and listen to you. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Roy. And uh, Rob, tell you what, we're, we're up against a break. I want to give you plenty of time to uh, to make your response to Roy's, uh, Roy's question. We'll come back with that. We also have Candy and Jeff and several phone lines open. If you have a question or a comment for Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute, get in the queue. We'll get you on maybe sometime before 10 o'clock. Hey, we're back on Talkback, and we are privileged to have with us uh, Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute, Professor Rob Nadelson. Uh, and let's get right back to the phones. Didn't, didn't we have a question? Oh, yes. Before? I'm sorry. We have a question before I you. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm jumping the gun. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, the question pertains to the Convention of States movement and to the argument that if we amend the Constitution, the amendments wouldn't be followed. Uh, the big problem with that argument is that it does not have any historical validity. In other words, experience disproves it. If you think back uh, at the various amendments that have been passed, all of them, except arguably the Ninth Amendment, st still have some effect today. Well, the Eighteenth Amendment doesn't because that was prohibition and that was repealed. But they also all have effect today. Um, the Convention of States wants three kinds of amendments, amendments limiting the size and scope of the federal government, amendments limiting the fiscal powers of the federal government, the financial powers, and then term limits. And um, you think of term limits, for example, that's nothing new. We have term limits at most in most states now. And we term limited the president of the United States by the 22nd Amendment passed back in 1951. It has been no attempt to break that amendment. It's been followed consistently. Uh, once in a while, somebody will say, oh, gee, wouldn't it be nice if Ronald Reagan could run for a third term or Barack Obama could run for a third term. But the fact is, the amendments there and it works it works and so it is i i agree it is the uh most promising peaceful solution that we have for turning uh turning things around is it perfect no nothing's perfect but it's sure a whole lot better than what we've got now okay let's uh let's get candy back on uh hopefully we've got the phone problem solved with her candy you go ahead you're back on with oh, rob okay isn't isn't it true that Abraham Lincoln uh, proclaimed an insurrection at the onset or somewhere in the Civil War. And uh, that would follow uh, my question about who can proclaim an insurrection. And my question is, did Donald Trump proclaim an insurrection according to the Constitution and military law. Okay, thanks for the call. Okay, Candy, Candy, as I explained a few minutes ago, who proclaims insurrection depends upon the purposes for which that proclamation is being applied, right? In the case of Abraham Lincoln, my recollection is that federal law gave him the authority to proclaim an insurrection and therefore to trigger the powers of the president, such as the power to make to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Um, that's one use of, proc of, of, of proclaiming an insurrection. On the other hand, the governor of a state 
could proclaim an insurrection. The legislature of a state could petition Congress and is given this explicit power by the Constitution to do so. The legislature of a state can go to Congress and say, we're facing insurrection. Help us. Uh, that's, a, that's a kind but, of proclamation of, yes. of insurrection. And but then, I'm and then asking. For, determining, for determining whether somebody has engaged in insurrection, in my view, that could be determined by the courts. There is a crime of insurrection for which somebody can be prosecuted and, and, and convicted, even without a presidential proclamation. What my question is, is by federal law, did Donald Trump proclaim an insurrection? Not to my knowledge. So he's not an insurrectionist because it would be against him. He was a sitting president and he didn't claim it. So Candy, I, I, I don't think, Candy, I don't think he's an insurrectionary either. But um, there but, has to be a the, uh, proclamation made by the president for insurrection. I don't Candy, understand. Um, Candy, look. Thanks, I, Candy. Let me be clear. I don't think he was an insurrectionary. But on the other hand, you don't have to have a pro presidential proclamation for somebody to be declared an insurrectionary. It can happen... It can happen through a court. It could happen, as I explained, through a, through state proclamations. It can happen in a number of different ways. It the, it does, simply does not depend upon the president declaring an insurrection, because if it did, then the president could never be an insurrectionary because he would simply say, "Well, I didn't declare an insurrection, and therefore I could do whatever I wanted, and it wasn't an insurrection." All right, let's get another call in. This is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. Welcome back. You're on Talk Back with Rob. Hey, good morning. Good to talk to you again, Rob. Um, I was on earlier and, and basically said the same thing you did regarding what the, the Convention of States uh, proposed in terms of uh, general amendments to the Constitution. And my question is, I, I quoted you and Mark Levin and, and as, as constitutional scholars that support it. Are there any well-established constitutional scholars that don't support a convention of states based on their understanding of the Constitution? Because it seems to me it's all people like the John Birch Society and uh, other folks who misread the Constitution who say that it's a danger versus uh, uh, people who have actually bothered to study it. And one of those is a state senator here. I can't remember his name, but who introduced the convention of states here. He, he was against it, and then he studied it and said, you know, I was wrong. It, I was. It doesn't advocate anything that I thought was going to happen. So, actually, I'll admit. I'll admit I was wrong too. I mean, at one time I thought it was a constitutional convention. I thought that uh, the delegates would be uh, elected by house district or however Congress determined. When I got into it, I discovered that I was wrong. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the world who as you know, will not admit they were wrong. But to answer your specific question, one characteristic that all of the opponents of Convention of States at the state legislatures have in common is that none of them has ever published on, this, on Article 5, on the amendment process, in the scholarly literature. Um, there have been... 
I don't know, a half a dozen or so scholars that have have published on this subject since um, since I got interested in, in it in 2009. And they've all concluded the same thing, which is that a convention can be controlled. It's controlled by the scope of its agenda, that if it attempts to go beyond its agenda, uh, its actions are null and void. I mean, we've all concluded the same thing. So when somebody stands up before a legislative committee and says, I'm a constitutional expert or I'm a recognized constitutional scholar and I oppose convention of states, the first thing that should be asked of that person is, could you give us a list of publications, preferably peer-reviewed publications in this area? And what you will find invariably is they have none. All right. Uh, we're up against a break with that. We have uh, Marilyn and Emmett both waiting to visit with you. We have a one-minute timeout coming up. Rob's only with us for eight more minutes. So if you have a question or comment for Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute, now's the time to pick up the phone. Give us a call. 721-1290. Back in 60 seconds. On Talk Pack, Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute back with us. And let's get Marilyn. She's been waiting the longest. Marilyn, good morning. You're on with Rob. Go ahead, please. Good morning. So I would like to Hi, turn our Hi. So I would like to turn our attention to the southern border or our what the border we used to have before it was invaded and allowed to be invaded by this regime that is in Washington D.C. right now. Um, a while back, I asked you about treason, and I believe. <laughs> I mean, I looked at, okay, violation of one's allegiance to one's country. I totally see this as a violation of this regime to our country. I mean, the the drug cartels, the sex trafficking, the unvetted people that are coming in that will, that are no doubt terrorists, um, the voting that they're hoping to get out of this to, change the election, the overwhelming of our system, our cultural change. I mean, this is very important. So other people, we're supposed to be, make sure that other people can keep their culture from way back, way back, way back, but we're not allowed to keep ours. No, we're white people, and being a white person is so horrendous these days, according to the communists that are running our country. But So at what point is the head of our country declared treasonous, guilty of treason. There's a lot of people, a lot more people than me calling for it these days. It's not just me. So, uh, Rob, what's your definition of, you know, what would it take? What would it take? What would it take for somebody, a leader of our country, who's allowing our border to be open the way it is, and all these things, these repercussions, these consequences that are going to happen and everybody wants to ignore, apparently, uh, to be considered treasonous. All right, Marilyn, thanks for the call. Rob, go ahead. Well, it's not my definition of treason. Uh, the Constitution limits the definition of treason. When A little explanation here, or background. Um, the founders were all uh, originally citizens of the British Empire. And so they were very familiar with British history. And part of that history was the use of treason charges to attack political enemies. So you'd you'd bring up a political enemy on a broad, uh, undefined treason charge, or you might even change the treason definition. 
uh, and then you wind up getting your political enemy drawn and quartered or perhaps hanged if the enemy was lucky. So the founders were determined to limit treason very strictly, and they used language which was taken from an old English statute that essentially means, it's not obvious when you read it, but what it means is that somebody cannot be convicted of treason unless he's actively helping the enemy in open hostilities against the United States. So if, there's an, if there is a military invasion, not any kind of invasion, but a military invasion of the United States by armies, and you're part of that invasion, then you're a traitor. Or if you actively aid that invasion, uh, you're a traitor. So they, they narrowed the definition of treason in that way to prevent it being used. Uh, for example, prevent it being used against the uh, January 6th defendants or anyone else who was politically unpopular. Um, that having been said, I agree with you, Marilyn. There is a gro gross breach of trust going on. And that's why I'll circle back, as Jen Psaki used to say, I'll circle back <laughs> to what I mentioned earlier in this um, in, in, in this broadcast, and that is the article that uh, my co-author and I did on the ability of states to respond to invasion themselves. Um, and the uh, series of articles which began today in the Epic Times listing what states that have been invaded by, um, by Ill illegal migrants can do, even without the permission of the federal government. All right, we have time for one more quick call. Emmett is up next. Emmett, you only got a minute or so. What's on your mind? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, it is about Donald Trump. I agree with you on this whole thing about, you know, was he an insurrectionist? I don't believe he was. I didn't like Joe Biden's dark speech. This The whole thing has been political. But some things are being raised about Donald Trump that are disturbing, perhaps unconstitutional that he's saying that he wants to be um, a dictator from day, from day one. Joe Biden alleged, and I don't know where he got this source, that Donald Trump wants federal troops, army troops, on our streets under the Insurrection Act. Can you speak to this? Do you know anything about this, or are these just wild claims? Okay. Because I don't know the constitutionality we're, we're, of having armed troops on our streets. We're running out you of know. time. I'll go ahead and let him answer that. Thanks for the call. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, no way to answer it in the time available. I have a, if you go to independenceinstitute.org, you'll see I have a, an article on what President Trump could do under the Insurrection Act. Uh, it's not as broad as he thinks it is. And that's frankly one of the reasons I've always been a little bit skeptical of Donald Trump. Um, I don't think he fully understands legal and constitutional limits the way some of the other candidates do. So, um, uh, so I would refer you. I would refer you to that article. All right. Now we have about about a minute left. So if you could give us some information about how we can read more of your work and find out more about what you do. Well, of course, on both BarnesandNoble.com and Amazon.com, there is my book, The Original Constitution, what it actually said and meant. Uh, you can read my stuff on an approximately weekly weekly basis in the Epic Times. Seven days after an article was published in the Epic Times, however. And even more immediately after it's published anywhere else, it is posted on independenceinstitute.org. So if you're curious as to what President Trump said about the Insurrection Act and what he could or couldn't do under the Insurrection Act, you go to independenceinstitute.org and, and the article is there in, under the Constitution tab. So um, there's also a bibliography there 
of scholarly articles uh, that you can download if you are really into this stuff. <laughs> Sounds good. Rob, as always, uh, a fountain of information. We look forward to our next visit, sir. I look forward to it as well, and I look forward to being in Montana on Wednesday. You bet. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, that's Rob Nadelson from the Independence Institute. What's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous show, Mr. Nick? Uh, from 8 to 9, we'll do open phones again for an hour, and then we have the Mansfield Center from 9 to 10. We're going to talk with Bill Russo. He's the Assistant Secretary of State in the Bureau of Global Public Affairs. So wow. Dina Mansur will be with us uh, to talk uh, with Bill. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Watch out. Winter's coming, so get prepared. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 with Ace on Montana Morning.